It gives me great pleasure to introduce to you the Reverend Jacob Smith, a graduate of the University of Arizona and Trinity School for Ministry and currently serves as priest in charge of uh, two wonderful parishes, Calvary Church in Manhattan, uh, which is the former uh, parish of Sam Shoemaker, uh, one of the spiritual fathers of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, and uh, you work in his study, and uh, in St. George's, the great, wonderful parish of uh, the mighty preacher Stephen Ting. Um, so it's, it's a real honor and joy uh, to share with you in that ministry, and uh, so glad that you and your lovely wife and kids are up in Manhattan uh, and really making an impact for the Lord. Uh, Jacob was telling me that, you know, ministry in Manhattan is very difficult, uh, but your average, your Easter attendance, your first year on the job was what? 180. 180. And now, after what, three, four years? Three years. Four years. What is your average Sunday attendance? About 320. 320. Uh, so that is a remarkable work of the Lord uh, in the spiritual wasteland that is Manhattan. Just kidding. It's a lovely place to visit. Uh, but, but delighted you're here, Jacob. Really look forward to hearing you preach. Uh, later on in the week, Wednesday through Friday, we have uh, Dr. Dan Seidel, a presidential scholar and art historian. There'll be two events Wednesday night and Thursday night that I hope that you'll take advantage of. You can get on our website and uh, see that. And also tonight, uh, if you're a man, uh, no offense, ladies, but there'll be a men's uh, dinner and Jacob will address the men. Uh, and so if you'd like to be a part of that, please do check out our website. The Reverend Mr. Smith will preach after we stand and sing hymn number 525, verses 1 through 3. Here beginneth the 17th verse of the second chapter of the prophet of Malachi. You have wearied the Lord with your words, but you say, how have we wearied him? By saying everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or by asking, where is the God of justice? Behold, I send my messenger. And he will prepare the way before me, and the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi, and refine them like gold and silver." And they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord in the, as in the days of old, as in former years. And then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired workers in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner, and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Here ends the reading. Well, you may be seated. <clears throat> and it is a real tremendous honor to be back here at the Advent. Uh, I want to thank 
uh, Dean Pearson for the warm invitation to be one of the preachers this Lent. I want to thank the clergy and the staff for their wonderful hospitality and the wonderful volunteers who provide the luncheon and all of you who've come here today. This is a really, really big deal when you think about it. Uh, daily gospel-centered preaching from across the country and body of Christ. I mean, from my mainline blue state perspective, this is nothing short of a miracle. Today, uh, I'm going to preach from the prophet Malachi, or as we say in New York, Malachi. And uh, the prophet Malachi, uh, which actually means messenger, ministered in Judah roughly a hundred years after the Jews had returned home from their Babylonian captivity. The second temple was in place. However, none of the glorious promises of God's blessings, none of his prosperity, his presence, had really come into fruition. And so what began to happen in Judah was a veneer of piety, an appearance of devotion, when in reality, the real presence was one of detachment, one of lassitude. There was an attitude that they were basically good people, and the problem was the people over there that weren't getting their act together. The problem that was going on in Judah was is that they failed to realize that they were equal offenders. And so you have in chapter 1 them complaining. Them complaining about God and where are the miracles. And then in chapter 2 you have God's response speaking about uh, the false ministers and the bad clergy of the day. And then we come to the end of chapter 2 which was the beginning of our reading right before our text today with God speaking through the prophet Malachi to the people. And he says this, You have wearied the Lord with your words. And then predicting the response, Malachi says, How have you wearied him? By saying all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and that he is pleased with them. Or, on the other end, where is the God of justice? So I'm... You've wearied me by saying we're all basically good people, or why are bad things happening to good people? Essentially what's being said here is, is that we're on the moral right side of the fence. We're the good ones. Unfortunately, it's those people over there that are the ones messing up. And God, why aren't you fixing it? Well, who here has never asked that question? The biggest delusion in humanity is that we are basically good and that other people out there are actually the problem. That's the delusion of humanity. The question isn't why do bad things happen to good people, it's why do good things happen to bad people. But we were deceived by that, and so we ask, where is the God of justice? Why isn't God fixing it, failing to realize that I'm equally guilty before the Lord in other ways and of other things? Understanding that somehow, some way, you are an equal offender and cannot fix it is central to understanding Malachi's prophecy. It's central to understanding the truth about Christianity. And this is my first point. God fixing it, especially those people over there, why that's a call out for his judgment. And it is the supreme human delusion to complain about the darkness in the world without first confessing the total darkness that lies in our own hearts. 
chapter 3 of Malachi illustrates how God is going to take care of it. This was the rest of the reading. How he's going to take care of this darkness that lies within each and every one of us. Chapter 3 illustrates how God is going to fix it. And it begins, Malachi prophesies, with God sending a messenger. The New Testament clearly identifies this messenger as John the Baptist. And if you recall, this was one of John the Baptist's callings to reveal the darkness within those who thought that they were basically good because they had Abraham as their father. John calls them all to repentance. The problem isn't those people over there. The problem is you, John the Baptist, as the messenger brings down that which they thought was up. And he draws that which is low to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And Malachi identifies this person, the Lamb of God, as the messenger of the covenant in whom the Lord delights. Malachi says, indeed, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And indeed, as Christians, we know and confess that he has come in the person and work of Jesus Christ. However, this is interesting. Malachi identifies Jesus' coming as something terrifying. He says in verse 2, For he is like a refiner's fire and fuller's soap. Both of these images illustrate severe judgment. However, for the sake of time, I'm going to focus on the latter because it's an illustration of not only warning, but most importantly, gospel hope. The, that identifier, refiner's fire, it makes all the difference. You see, something like a forest fire destroys indiscriminately. I remember back in 2014 when I was in San Diego visiting my parents. They lived near some of the worst destruction of a forest fire earlier that year. The aftermath of a forest fire is bizarre because two hills would be burnt while another looked like as if nothing had happened. An entire neighborhood would have been consumed and destroyed. Yet for some reason, two houses just remained standing in that neighborhood. And that was because the fire jumped over it. A forest fire, most fire for that matter, is destructive and it's indiscriminate. However, a refiner's fire, while it is destructive, it is not discriminate. It purifies and it separates out impurities, making silver or gold more valuable. And this is my second point. Malachi prophesies how God will fix it by describing Jesus coming as a refiner's fire. And this is both a warning because nothing impure will stand in its presence, yet it is a word of hope because it tells us God's judgment. His wrath is not indiscriminate. Rather, instead, his judgment is with intention and it's with purpose. So then here comes the million-dollar question. And it's a question we ponder during the season of Lent, which should drive us to the gospel. If nothing impure, as the prophet prophesied, will stand in his presence, what hope is there for any of us? The good news of the gospel is that the refiner's fire did come. It was intentional, and it was with purpose. 
But thanks be to God, it didn't fall on any of us. Malachi prophesies in verse 5 of our reading, Then I will come near to you in judgment. I will be swift to bear witness against the sorcerers, adulterers, liars, oppression, those who thrust aside the alien, and most importantly, those who do not respect me. That refiner's fire came near, and it came near with Jesus, the messenger of the new covenant. By bearing the burden of that witness, by being consumed by the fire of judgment on the cross in our place, what Jesus did was he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God and absorbing our impurities so that we can stand and be seen because of his perfect work before God as completely pure. And he does this in order to demonstrate that he, the Lord, does not change. To demonstrate that he, the Lord, has always been a God of grace. That he, the Lord, has always been a God of mercy. And that he, the Lord, will be a God who will always stand with you. And go before you. And he will be the Lord who has, who is, and who will fix it, continuing to consume our wickedness until we are raised on that last day from the grave. So that in Christ's death and resurrection, we too will walk out of the grave, that we too will walk out as a triumphant priesthood purer than any gold or silver, resting in the only offering that is pleasing to the Lord, Jesus Christ, the righteous, given totally for you. And this is my third point, and I'll wrap up with this. Who can endure the day of his coming, Malachi asks, and who can stand when he appears? The gospel is, you will, but not by your might, most certainly not by your piety or pointing out the darkness over there, but you will stand before the Lord by the forgiveness of your sins, found in the Lord who does not change, Jesus Christ, crucified for you, risen for you, and coming again for you. Amen. Amen.